Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones and all no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to help you relieve yourself of the internet's burdens. And I'm Matt Saintsing, and we have some listener feedback, Ryan. Johnny, uh, someone who we both served with, uh, I was actually his roommate uh, in, in intelligence school training in Texas. He tweeted at Don't Wreck Yourself, a Wreck Your Pod on Twitter, and we appreciate him bringing more notice to our Twitter account, which really has been maybe the worst uh, social media for us, to be honest. If I'm being honest. Did he slip into our dungeon master? Don't even know what, 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 why that, that came out of left field. When you send a, when a DM, you're saying DM. So a, a DM on Twitter, a DM, a DM on Twitter is a direct message and a DM in D and D is dungeon master. You, I feel like I, I, it's like speaking Greek to me, man. I know nothing about D and D, but he did, he did not send us a DM. He tweeted at us on his Twitter, which has brought more attention to us. He wants to know what is the origin of the phrase pardon my French? Oh, I haven't done any research and I'm sure you have. So I'm just going to, I'm going to sp- Bitball here. French for a long time was the language of diplomacy. Okay, you're definitely going on a different tangent, but please, I want to hear about this. Yeah, this is this is not where I was going. This is not where I was where I'm going to go. <laughs> French and English have kind of jockeyed for superiority. Uh, ultimately, English has won out. But during the Victorian period and before, um, it is very likely that any contracts or business would have been conducted in French. Therefore, if your French was bad, that would be something that you would have to apologize for. It's an interesting uh, justification. It's an interesting definition. It is not uh, correct, but I definitely like where you're going. I kind of like that better than what the real answer is. So I kind of we should just go with that. All right. Good. No, um, you absolutely brought up the competition between French and English. And I mean, they're both UN languages. Um, There's like five UN languages. And they're both they're both European European and they're both colonial languages that were exported for part to parts of the world, you know, right. But the phrase was originally used in England when someone used a French word when speaking to a person who may not have understood French. So you say, pardon my French. However, due to the history of conflict between France and England going back to like 1066, right? Uh, pardon my French came to be a dig against the French people, actually. It's like an insult. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, this is literally going all the way back to William the Conqueror, Duke of Normandy storming England and, and taking over and establishing himself Absolutely. as the monarch. Norman conquests is uh, if you study medieval history and you definitely should because it is fascinating. I know a thing or two about history. I'm, I'll play. I'll play. I'll play ball. I mean, I did. I did a semester in England. I, t- I took medieval history and it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm no Tom Pedrick oh, yeah. of, of Tom. the. Yeah. You know, what? I'm going to throw a little ad in here. I don't know if they're going to reciprocate, but that's OK. We're generous. We're generous lovers. Yeah. Brad Hafford and Tom Pedrick are both listeners to this podcast. Brad's actually sent us in some uh, the punic war guy brad's actually sent us in some feedback yeah 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 uh he's the guy that sent us a story about the dick knuckle in in the roman (laughs) senate Uh, that dick knuckle by the way was cato they have a new youtube show it's called artifactually speaking in which they look at uh relatively recent artifacts so not antiquities but they're looking at artifacts it's a good history youtube channel 
Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great history show. They've got a lot of interesting facts, and they also have a sub-show, which is hosted just by Brad, called Money Talks, in which he examines currency. So go go check them out. They are big fans of our show, and we are big fans of their show. And we're big fans of them. I'll, I'll say I'm a, big fan, I'm a big fan of them. As people, yeah. 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 Not as show hosts, as people. Now, yeah, so, so back to, you know, part of my French. In the 19th century, 1800s, is when English people used French expressions in conversation, and they often apologized for it, presumably because many of their listeners wouldn't be familiar with the language. And I think it's important to point out that English, one third of the English language actually comes from French. You know, even though English is a Germanic language, because of the conquests and the just geographic closeness of France and England, uh, there's a lot of shared cultural phenomena language of which is one yeah uh, it's just like you know this 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 machine i'm using to record everything and and process our audio and all that is called an ordinateur oh i like that i like that i should say my mom was a french teacher for years so i definitely learned a lot oh, of oh yeah for sure for sure How's your French? Uh, I would say I can order a beer and I can find the bathroom in paris which is the most important things to do right i can ask for directions i can ask for directions I can't understand the directions, but I can ask for them. Je suis un cours de français depuis 14 ans. I think this is very impressive. I'm not going to do it now because I don't want to embarrass myself. Uh, si tu voudrais pratiquer avec moi. All right, now you're just showing. À me. la podcast. Oh, no, I know what that word meant. No, um, pardon your. You should say pardon my French. That's a great <laughs> opportunity to say pardon my French. Uh, pardon my French. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think, um, you know, when you're thinking about the origin of this. Uh, it reminds me of a Seinfeld episode where Elaine is like dating a guy and she's asking Jerry and George, have you ever like lied to a woman so you could like bed them? And George is like, I once told a woman, I once coined the phrase, pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> so that, uh, a lot of times that's uh, that's being used when uh, you say a bad word and you say, pardon yes, my French. absolutely. As your mother is a yep. French teacher and you have expressed a trepidation about sharing your vocalizations of the French tongue. I just like, I'm, I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice. L that's that's fine. What's the dirtiest thing you know oh, how to say so in French? I would go ahead and say tegao, which essentially means like uh, you're an asshole. And it's like one of the worst things you can say. So we say <laughs> tegao. It's like, uh, you know, someone on the metro or someone on the street. You're, it's essentially saying fuck off, but I think it actually translates to like asshole. So I would say that's pretty bad. I would say that's pretty bad. When we were in yep. the army, we actually uh, served with a guy who was from Africa and he was from one of the former French colonies. It's uh, typically used in the past tense. So you would say, uh, la dernière oui, j'ai bousé la boîte. That means I destroyed the bottle. I have heard that. Yeah, I have heard that actually. Now, now, audience, pardon my French while Matt <laughs> explains it. I don't know. The, I don't know the origin of the expression. I just know what it meant. Literally. What is What does it mean? It means like the fuck a bottle. Yeah, it's like I destroyed the bottle, which is like I, I completely destroyed a vagina last night. The bottle is a is a it symbolizes a woman's reproductive organ. It's a metaphor. Well, I'm glad that we got I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> That's not something that I would say in the course of a conversation. That is a perfect opportunity for me to pardon exactly. my French. Exactly. So consider your French pardoned. <laughs> <laughs> now, now to talk about a group of people who rarely got oh, pardoned. Absolutely. I saw a meme recently uh, in this like crazy Facebook group. I'm in. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's a secret. But I would say oh. that I saw a meme in this group that confused me. So I really wanted to get to the bottom of it. So this meme, it is white text on an all black background. There is no picture. It's essentially just a text box. Right. And it says a strong witch needs to watch her thoughts. 
for she can curse without intention. And then it says in parentheses, with that being said, I'd advise you not to piss off a witch. And I saw this and I'm like, okay. I just did not, I kind of didn't know what this meant. So I, I looked into it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So let's talk about what a curse is, right? A curse is a magic spell that's placed on someone with the intention of harming them in some way. So if a, if a witch is cursing without intention, I think this kind of means that she could potentially hurt someone unintendedly, maybe even herself um, or another person. So fun fact, this notion actually goes back to ancient times. Yeah. There is a, a pretty sizable record of curse texts. So you, you find them like a lot of times it'll be like little curses written on pieces of paper and then like stuffed inside of uh, like a jar or it's something like, like that. Hex on um, I think it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, there's a very specific concept that I'm sure everybody has heard of called the evil eye. I have not heard of that. You have never heard of giving me the evil eye. Oh, OK. I have heard that. I have heard that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, the evil eye actually goes back to ancient times. It is the idea that somebody can cast a uh, put a curse on you simply by okay. looking at you. Wow. Kind of like Medusa. Now, right? a little in, similar to Medusa. Kind yeah, of yeah. like that. Kind of like that. Now, in, in ancient times and actually going all the way up through pre-modern times, there was this notion that oh, women yeah. and, and, and again, we know we, we know that w- women are closer <laughs> to the devil. <laughs> they are up there with me. There's, there was a. Yeah. There was a notion that women, because of sexist reasons, are unable to control themselves and could therefore cast a curse upon somebody simply by looking at them the wrong way. Interesting. So uh, presumably that could be done unintendedly. That's kind of the notion. Like you might have a witch or somebody practicing sorcery giving you the evil eye intentionally, but a woman who is unable to control her faculties might cast a curse upon you just by being jealous or angry or whatever. Or whatever kind of shitty attribute women were ascribed to for centuries, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, exactly. I think you brought up the interesting gender thing because uh, I, I looked into, I was like, well, what is it? What is like a legit definition of a witch? And I found, I think, that maybe the best source, which is uh, according to thewiccanreport.com, a witch is a female, non-human, sentient being with supernatural powers. I feel like that's kind of very vague i feel like ursula from little mermaid would be considered a witch with this definition i think a lot of people a lot of disney villains would be she was also called ursula the sea oh, witch so it's, it's right there been in the a while name since I've seen, it has been a good <laughs> two weeks since i've seen a uh, little mermaid so okay so it talks about cursing without intention i feel like um we don't always get to choose our thoughts sometimes i think that one of the great mysteries of consciousness is where your thoughts kind of come from so why wouldn't a witch just be popping off with weird spells all the time if like you know you're just cruising down the road or on your broom and then you know something pops in your head and boom you just like caused a curse on someone unintendedly right the, the notion of an unintentional curse uh definitely goes back to that that evil eye root So it's not all spells. It's specifically curses and curses can take a lot of forms. I happen to have in my possession a copy of a book, which you may or may not have heard of before, because we talked about this before the episode started. Uh, (laughs) It's called the Malaeus Maleficarum, which is Latin for the witch's hammer. How the hell do you have this? How did you come to get get this book? Uh, I purchased it at a Barnes and Noble. I guess the answer is why. The question is why? Because I was a weird kid in high school. I saw the craft in 1998. (laughs) This was published in 1484. Wow. It is the combined work of Heinrich Kramer and James Sprenger, who are two German witch hunters. So while America does have very famous witch hunting cases like the Salem witch trials, some of the largest uh, witch hunts actually occurred in Europe prior to the colonization of America or, or contemporaneous with the colonization of America. Yeah. And they were very big in Germany. 
So this was actually published as a professional manual for witch hunters. Wow. Oh, I love that. And it was published with the blessing of the sitting pope, who was Pope Innocent VIII. Holy shit, what a great name. Sounds like a rapper. So it it does actually detail the types of curses a witch might afflict their victim with. Okay. So this text talks about members of the Catholic faith. So this would have been very much, there's a couple things going on. You have the Protestant Reformation, which is a reaction to an overbearing Catholic church. And then you have witch hunting, which incidentally is promoted by the Catholic Church as a way of ferreting out heretics. This, this sort of stuff would have been used against anybody who was engaging in any in a form of heresy. Okay. A lot of times witches were social outcasts or people who were suspect, old women, widows, okay. people who didn't conform to normal societal expectations. What does it say? Here are some of the things that their incantations and spells and conjurations yield. In addition to cavorting with devils, incubi and succubi, they are known to have slain infants yet in the mother's womb, blasted the produce of the earth. Oh. So that's that's so they're, basically they're any sort of farming. They 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 also make abortions. They're, they're they provide abortions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in that case, like slain infants yet in the mother's womb. So that would be assigning uh, miscarriages. So that that's miscarriages. But it would also be abortion because you would yeah. have like traditional folk medicine practitioners might have performed those types of services outside of the context of the church. Real quick, I think after you read that sentence, it just feels like it's so dense. And I feel like Karl Marx wrote this. It's just like <laughs> it is just like so I mean, it's from the 1400s. So it is what it is. But so they also afflict and torment men and women and beasts of burden with uh, they describe it as terrible and piteous pains and sore diseases. So they'd be like poxes. So th- we could be talking about sexually transmitted diseases. We could be talking about like cowpox, things like that. They hinder men from performing the sexual act and women from conceiving. Oh, they're getting okay. like witches are literally getting blamed for like boner droop for say or for like, uh, I guess, like or people being infertile, people who can't actually have children. Yeah, so so there's a witch out there waving a desexing stick and and making your penis go down, and when you do eventually get your penis up, your wife's just not making babies for you. I kind of love how some guy couldn't get it up, and like, well, it has to be supernatural. There's only <laughs> the only one reason is I can't get it up is because of witches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if you think about it though, like if you think about it, like you're trying, like you're, you're trying not to, you're, you're you're trying not to come or you're trying not to finish. What do you think about? Uh, like I don't want to say because it's kind of gross. But you do think about non-sexual, non-sexy things that don't. These yeah, you might think you might think about like the old lady that lives at the edge of town. Okay, so you're thinking of a witch. It's like, oh man, I was really having trouble getting my boner up. I just couldn't get that witch out of my mind. Mm, I got, oh, oh so she, this woman, this witch, is putting, uh, is putting herself into the mind of the person, and and as such, this guy just can't get it up or can't can't finish. Is that what this is trying to say? Yeah, kind of. Okay, I'm so impressed that I actually understand this because this is it's fucking dense. That's a possibility because spectral visitation and and spectral attacks are actually a huge part of the accusations that in Salem. Yeah, that drove the Salem witch trials. The idea that these witches were projecting their spirit out to torment these women. They actually used uh, what's called spectral evidence where people in these in these in these sham trials would be able to say, oh, I see a witch is flying around and no one else can see it because she's possessing me. That's known as spectral evidence that was 100% allowed during the Salem witch trials. Yeah, which uh, actually there witch. were. <laughs> so the Oyas and Terminer was the uh, tri- the witch trial, essentially. And the uh, one of the people that was originally assigned to this was just like spectral evidence is bullshit. Oh, of course. 
He's like, I'm not participating in this trial. And so one of the judges actually left the panel. And then the remaining judges are like, yeah, we're going to murder these women now. It's like, way to way to stand up for the ladies, guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, no uh, witches were burned at Salem. They were all either drowned or, or hanged. There is another method of execution that was employed during the Salem witch trials. Do you know was what it, it was? Them? Was it crushing them? It was crushing. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. a guy who was he was probably about uh, he was in his, I think, early 80s or late 70s. Holy shit. Old guy from back in the day. Well, yeah, he was accused of witchcraft. But the one thing that a lot of these uh, people that were accused of witchcraft had in common is that they were kind of dis- malcontents in the community. So this guy at some point had beaten to death a uh, presumably mentally handicapped young man oh, who was who sure. was in his employ. And nothing ever really came of it until much later when they put him on trial for witchcraft. But this is this is easily the most badass story I've ever heard. Not the beating somebody to death. They were they were employing a method called crushing. And that's where you place like a board over somebody's body. Yeah. And then you start stacking heavy rocks until they confess to whatever crime it is. Oh, yeah. There's a movie that depicts this. It's kind of gory and crazy. So they're they're putting rocks on this guy's chest and they're trying to get him to confess to witchcraft. And they're like, do you confess yet? And his last dying words were more rocks. (laughs) That scene that scene is in a movie that I saw. That yeah. scene is in The Crucible. Yeah, so it's a famous it's a famous play turned film. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I, and I've seen neither. So now I feel kind of like, fuck you, The Crucible. They, they spoiled my story. I've seen the movie, but I've, uh, I've never read the book. I will say, though, um, before we get back to the meme, because I have one more claim that we need to examine from the meme is uh, in, in Salem. You know, uh, one of the theories is that these women who obviously were not possessed by witches um, there was a common condition in those days called called convulsive purgatism. And it's what happens when you eat grains that are contaminated by a parasitic fungus uh, uh-huh. or it's called ergot. And one of the components of which is hallucinogenic properties related to LSD. So it's completely possible that some of these guys were like just like eating this bread, eating this grain, were tripping and didn't know what the hell was going on. And so they thought, oh, my God, I must be possessed by a witch. And then they just like killed a bunch of women based off that. So that that is one theory. There's not a lot of evidence for it, but it's an interesting idea. A bunch of historians have shot holes in that theory while it is entirely possible. The biggest issue is that these events were happening over a long period of time in which they would have been tapping into multiple grain stores. So the likelihood Uh, of ergot poisoning is probably pretty slim. Yeah, I feel like the 1600s colonies were not (laughs) were not a great time for humans in human history. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible mental health services. Terrible. Getting back to the witch meme here, it says... With that being said, I'd advise you not to piss off a witch. Ryan, how do you piss off a witch? Historically speaking, you drop rocks on their chest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Put them on trial for witchcraft. That's how you you piss off a witch. Right, right. I just, well, I would say I'm trying to come up with funny stuff. So I think, you know, hiding her broom, I think would piss off a witch. Take take away her transportation mode, you know? We talk about her warts too, point them out. It's always self-conscious. That's how you piss off a witch. So final ruling here is uh, witchcraft is probably not real. Right. And... Curses, curses are probably not real. And pissing off a witch is the same as pissing off anybody else. Try not to do it. Yep. Um, 100%. But speaking of undesirable things waiting to be disposed of by the community, I have a question from r slash no stupid questions that relates to a persecution of one of our podcast hosts. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, it, I, it can't be me unless you're per- unless you're like bringing evidence against me right now. 
Or, or if I'm replacing you as co-host with somebody else, it's like, when do you hear this story? Oh, dude, you're, you, you're such a dick. The idea that you would replace me, I feel like this is not your podcast. What, if I, our what if I replaced myself? I, is that an option? I mean, yeah, let's do it. You're- <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> you open the door, man, and I walk right through it. <laughs> if you would like to be a co-host on Wreck Yourself, reach out to me at mattsaintsing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do not send it to Wreck Your Pod because Ryan reads those emails and he will delete it. It's mostly been spam lately. Somebody signed us up for a bunch of spam. What a bunch of dicks. I guess that's to be expected, to be expected. So as you are well aware, the r slash no stupid questions subreddit on the Reddit website. Uh, On Reddit.com. On Reddit. On Reddit.com. Yeah. I read it on Reddit. Is a place Mm -hmm. where you can ask any question and it will be judged not stupid, regardless yeah, sure. of what any other subreddit would say. hundred percent agree. Yeah. In that spirit, we are going to assume that this is not a stupid question. And I, I actually don't think it is. So the, the question goes like this. Safest way to dispose of old bottles of urine? Question mark. I feel like um, this is it, it, it's not a question. It's, a, it's like a clause. It's like a, it's not a fun one, like a Santa Claus. It's just like a. What? I don't know. It's an incomplete sentence. It's an incomplete. Oh sentence. man, I totally, I totally screwed up our transition because this is coming from username losername six six six. Oh That's, shit, that was sitting I, right. Yeah, man, it was right yeah. there. It was that? Yeah, that that was a layup. I could have Dunkin' Donuts the shit out of that. Yeah. Speaking of Massachusetts, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> oh man, I saw the trashiest thing. It's uh, it was a lady wearing a donkey junkie shirt. What the fuck is that? It's a shirt that says donkey junkie. And it's in the Dunkin' Donuts font. It's just like, who's that proud of their? And then I realized all of New England. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, there, there is no chance of her not being a mass hole for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Loser name six 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 offers this clarification. Sometimes I drive by and see old pee bottles on the road. The pee looks very dark too. How do trash companies deal with these, and is it a biohazard? Uh, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of stuff there. What road are you traveling down? I have never seen a pee bottle outside of Iraq. To be honest with you. And that what and that's what brings us to the unjust persecution of a podcast host. So <laughs> it, it was me. It was me. So I was coming off of a 16 hour shift in Iraq. I was putting in the hours and I was walking by some of my colleagues room. They had the door open and there's a group of people assembled there in a circle, just talking and, you know, shooting the shit. I, I, I went into the room and we were we were all hanging out. And one of the people in the room was female. OK. And at the time in Iraq, there was a standing order that men and women weren't allowed in each other's living spaces. I mean, looking back, it's just straight up sexist and, and horrible. It's, it's sexist and horrible. But at the same time, they're also trying to avoid things like sexual assault. The answer to avoiding sexual assault is not to exclude women from spaces. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you there. So at some point, the uh, the door, the door was closed. And I guess the first sergeant who had it out for one of the people in the room happened to hear uh, voices and he heard a female voice in the room. Oh, boy. So there's a pounding on the door and there's the first sergeant and the commander. And they came in hot. This they is came in space. This is your chew. Uh, no, no, this was, uh, this was somebody else's. Okay. There, there's a group of 10 of us there, give or take. And, and one of them was a woman and they came in and, you know, raised hell about, you know, all of us living in the same space. And keep in mind, I didn't think there was an issue because literally the first day we were there, I had a conversation with the commander where he told me the rule was bullshit. 
Right. When you tell me that you think that a rule is bullshit, it means you're not going to actively enforce that rule. Th- that was a wrong interpretation, and you should have known that because you served in the U.S. Army. There's a lot of dumb rules that people enforce that they, they did not believe in. Like the 2003 Iraq invasion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, selective enforcement is a common practice in the United States military. It's a proud tradition, just like it is a, bottles. Yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to paint this as some sort of bacchanal, and they spot in the corner a bottle full of a yellowish liquid. And it's not, not lemon-lime Gatorade, my friends. And the first sergeant goes, what is that? What is that? You, got, you, guys, you guys drink a tequila in here? Uh, yeah, go ahead, top. <laughs> so I, I, I spoke up. I said, uh, first sergeant, I'm pretty sure that, pretty sure that bottle is full of urine. And he goes, well, I'm not smelling it. And then I got an article 15. That's the whole story. I guess like, why? Because you were in, you were in a woman. Whose pee bottle is this? I don't know. I didn't do a DNA test or anything. I get. Uh, so why are you in? Why did you get an article? It is not clear why you got an article 15. I got an article 15 because I was in a living space with a female. Okay. So uh, ostensibly, this has nothing to do with pee bottles. Yeah. It just ha- <laughs> <laughs> I tell That's, good stories. Honestly, honestly, that is funnier than like, a, 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 I, honestly, I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. <laughs> No, yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, there is a long and not too proud tradition of peeing in bottles in Iraq. The, I've done it. Have you done it? You had to have. Oh yeah, um, everybody. We didn't have we didn't have indoor plumbing, and like yeah. you could either you pee had in to a walk bo- in the middle of the night to go mm-hmm. to a bathroom, and you had to put on your full uniform, and that just fucking sucks. Yeah, right? I was on the, I was on the third floor of a building, so I had to walk down three flights of stairs. Oh to, shit. Uh, to get to a toilet. So I, I've only lived in shoes in Iraq, and again, no plumbing. You have to walk like 150 yards, and at four o'clock in the morning, I'm not putting on boots and utes and you know anyway yep so how do you dispose of it is a good question i don't know i still have some (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm carrying all my pee for my rack right now in a in a in a chest in my garage i'm really hoping to get to the bottom of this (laughs) you should donate it to the (laughs) pismodians all right so uh the question asker loser name 666 is looking for information you know they want to know how do you dispose of it? And is it hazardous? So I'm going to answer the second question first. Okay. Is this a health hazard? No, absolutely not. The answer is no, because although urine is chock full of toxins expelled from your body, these are things that naturally occur in your body. There's the, unless you have an infection, urine is sterile. Toxin doesn't necessarily mean full of viruses or bacteria. It has chemical compounds in urine. Okay, that makes sense. That are that. called toxins, but they're not necessarily toxic in the traditional right. sense. Right, right, right. In fact, in a survival situation, drinking urine can save your life. However, fresh water is a must because eventually cycling your own urine will result in you taking in all of those waste, pro- those waste chemicals, those waste products, and you'll reduce water because of perspiration, salivation. Yeah, I feel like it, it can kill you. I feel like it would shut, it would help shut down your kidneys. And I don't care what Kevin Costner in Waterworld has to say about it. He drank his own piss, by the way. Spoiler alert: He drinks his own piss. This is like the fourth time it's come up on this podcast. I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've figured that out yet because they're all oh, huge Waterworld fans. Bold of you to assume everyone's listened to every episode of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I'm a, I'm a natural completionist. I only watch things in order. So, well, that makes that that, you're, that makes one of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not only is drinking urine mostly harmless in small quantities, but uh, as a medicinal cure or is that do you pronounce that medicinal or medicinal? <laughs> I would say, well, since they're, I think they're both technically valid pronunciations, but medicinal is like patent medicine type stuff like 
John's medicinal space oil. Yeah, it's it's medicinal. I've never heard medicinal other than today, and I hope I never hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, urine as a medicinal cure goes back to ancient times, and it's actually prevalent in modern alternative medicine communities. And their reasoning is that urine can have things like vitamins, uh, hormones, and other and other compounds that are generally seen as valuable to the body. Urine is it's the products that have been filtered through our blood system. So it's essentially the stuff that we do not need. Right. Right. Kidneys are doing the hard work of sorting everything out. And then your yoga instructor says, no, put that back in. <laughs> so I think the key here is not necessarily whether it's healthy to drink your own urine because it's not your body. You're actually second guessing your body when you drink your own urine as a medicinal cure. However, it might be true that one man's pee is another man's tea. Is it one of the things where you 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 can't you can drink your own only a, so many times, but you can drink other people's unlimited. Is it like that? No, I don't think that's true. I think that you would. I, well, I don't think that that's true. Well, can we find out? Can we can we fuck around and find out about that? <laughs> we can drink each other's piss. Do you, you want to do a little uh, do a little urine swap, a little piss I pass? Feel, I feel like we could get a we could get a pee flight. Yeah. We could, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think if we were to implement like a urine swap, then like your body might be chock full of, you know, vitamin D. Oh, thank you. I, I guess I don't. I don't know which vitamins end up in your pee. Oh, vitamin, um, co- vitamin cocaine. <laughs> a lot of times. Uh, that that is actually an issue with uh, drinking urine. If you're a drug user, then you're actually potentially putting the worst parts of drugs back into your body. Vitamin LSD is what it is. But the but the idea of swapping urine with somebody else and drinking somebody else's pee might be might actually be healthier because now you're getting with their body filtered out. Exactly. And your body might have different needs. It's maybe pass the piss to the left hand side type of deal. <laughs> <laughs> is it a biohazard? The answer is no. In a survival situation, it could absolutely it could absolutely save your life, but you do need to switch to fresh water or you will eventually die. For sure, for sure. Uh, urine's mostly water. Consuming small quantities is likely harmless unless you've been exposed to medications or environmental toxins that your body, in its wisdom, has chosen to eliminate. Therefore, the short-term benefits of drinking urine outweigh the risk when dehydration's on the line. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, how do you dispose of it? I mean, if it's in a bottle and you come across of a urine-filled bottle, the obvious answer is to pour it out and throw away the bottle. That's the obvious answer. If you don't mind smelling pee, that's the way to go. Or you, you could just bury it too. If it's if it's attacked. a bi- if it's a biodegradable bottle, yes, I would well, encourage that. I would say that a lot of things have been buried that is not biodegradable. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. We, 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 are you are you saying humanity is humanity has already jumped that shark? Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's a. It's like the, only, the the problem of global warming has to do with the fucking full piss bottles in the Earth's crust. No, but I, I, this brings me to an interesting thought is uh, when I was uh, took a chemistry class and I remember the professor. Uh, he, this is like the one thing I remember from the class is that they looked at the sewage in like private school t- uh, tanks and like areas where like rich kids were. And they were able to identify through sewage what drugs these students were using. So they found trace uh, stuff of MDMA, LSD, all sh- a shit ton of cocaine, which-, which is the normal amount of cocaine, to be clear. Yeah, yeah right. Especially for a rich kid at like some like, private school, right? So I thought that was hilarious, actually. Uh, it's like, oh, you bought some cocaine. How much did you use? The answer is all of it. All of it. All of it. <laughs> yeah, all at once. So no one ever has extra cocaine. <laughs> so yeah, you uh, introducing it to a uh, to a septic system is certainly a way to go. Yeah. Um, however, urine has been used since ancient times for actually some pretty practical purposes. We were so gross. Humans are so gross. Jeez. Urea, urea, which is the next to water, urea is the next most prevalent compound inside of your urine. It actually breaks down and turns into ammonia, which is useful as a solvent and cleaning agent. Okay. Who was the first person to figure that? Out? <laughs> <laughs> this peeing on shit. Hey, this works. 
Yeah, I mean, you have limited options in ancient times. There's, there's not a whole lot of ingredients to work with, and that's one that you're producing in, in quantity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's part. Of, that's actually part of what makes urine such an attractive alchemical ingredient. That's what makes the urine hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there have been there have been so many applications, and some of them are real, some of them are fake. Like I, I mentioned, alchemy. <laughs> some alchemists were trying to use urine to turn lead into gold and turn other compounds into gold. gold. Yeah, liquid gold. Yeah. 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 Well, that's kind of the that's kind of the idea of homeopathy. Homeopathy it means like uh, the homeo there means similar, so it's like things produce stuff. So yeah. if you're yeah. trying to produce gold using that golden stream coming out the tip of your pecker is the way to go. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so there, there are a lot of practical applications. People are able to use uh, urine to tan leather. This is also back in the way day. No one is doing this today. Well, I mean, they're they're still using some of those same compounds. It's just produced differently. But no, uh, no one's rubbing piss on like stuff for products. I hope. I hope. I would. I want to know if it's piss ladle. If it's piss soaked. Like next time you go into Wilson's Leather to get that sweet dope biker jacket, if somebody's just sprayed it down with piss before scraping it. Ugh. So it can be used for washing clothes. Uh, so for a long time, people would wash their clothes in tubs of urine. This is disgusting. Jesus. Uh, it would literally be in a tub full of urine and there'd be a guy whose job it was to step on it like grapes at a winery. Is it all one guy's urine or is it like a, is it like a smorgasbord? Well, well, well we're going to we're actually going to get to that. Is it a cocktail so, of urine? OK, OK. If you combine it with ash from your fireplace, you can also use it to make lye, which is a caustic agent used in soap making. So that's another way that it would it'd be used to uh, to clean clothes, but it would be used as a general cleaner also. They also use ash in Roman times to kind of make uh, a concrete, right? And so it's meant mm-hmm. to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a popular idiomatic expression. The idea that somebody is so poor they don't have a pot to piss in. Oh, yeah. It's because there was a secondary market for urine, particularly later on in like at like the dawn of the industrial age as people are starting to build these specialized operations the demand for urine was high because they needed the they needed the ammonia and they needed the lye in order to cre- do things like create soap this is this is just grossing me the fuck out dude at launder things or uh, and, and tanning so you'd have poor people would literally pee into a pot carry their pot down and sell their urine wow so the idea is that you could be so poor that you wouldn't have enough money to purchase a pot to piss in the urine market must have been exploding, filled to the brim, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> there, but there's another group of people whose clothes are covered in piss, and they're not ancient Romans. They're actually quite young. And this next question comes from, again, No Stupid Questions, a forum where we pull from all the time. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you already know the deal. There are No Stupid Questions here. If you've and been listening to this episode for the last half hour or so, you've, you've already heard the spiel. For sure, for sure. The rules of no stupid questions have not changed since the last inquiry. I feel like they never change. They are constant, just like the universe, right? So this question comes from user Outrageous Suspect 49 And I kind of love this. He has like a glaring spelling error. He says, is it a legac, sick, to bet on baby racing? <laughs> <laughs> definitely means, he definitely means uh, illegal. But... <laughs> So, yeah, oh. is it illegal to bet on baby racing? And I saw this and I was like, well, I definitely got to. F- what the fuck is baby racing? It's probably a Fast and Furious spinoff. No, but honestly, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like it's like Fast Five years old. Right. Yeah. Like I just it's just Vin Diesel in a diaper. <laughs> I feel like I mean, I mean, Fast and Furious has been so old. We're going to get to him in a diaper. I feel like if they keep making Fast and the Furious. Right. They're going to have it on Mars. And it's going to come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, right, so what the fuck is baby racing? Now? All right. So baby race. I looked into this and there are there are several instances of, I guess, races of, of babies. Uh, one of the funniest examples I found is maybe from the NBA team Sacramento Kings. In 2016, they hosted a baby race sponsored by Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and and to be clear, was this an a legal baby race or an illegal baby race? This was a sanctioned baby race. Uh, there is nothing to nothing I'm going to say points it to be, being illegal, and it was a like broadcast on TV. So, I, is there is there a governing body that governs baby racing? I'm going to get to that in a second, but but let's. Oh my uh, God, there is. Let's Tell just, me well, more. No, there's not. But you're fucking ruining it right now. <laughs> like you're like, ruining the, it. The Sacramento Kings. They asked aspiring parents to submit a video of their child uh, to, who will then be judged on two criteria. And that's crawling speed, which accounts for 60% of the points. And the rest goes to video creativity. <laughs> okay. So this is literally parents trying to, like, it's like the earliest baby acting we can think of, right? Okay. Uh, you said this was 2016. This is in 2016. And, they're, being, and, and they're tasking their fans with creating a essentially a viral video of their baby racing. It's like a baby reel. And so video creativity and how fast it can be. That's what they wanted. That's where they were deciding how to pick the babies. Yeah. Okay. Well, were there any, were there any stipulations as far as uh, the, the track conditions or anything like that? Like, oh, could no, I, it did not get that specific. Could, I, could, no, like, I, no. could, could like a baby just, could you put a baby inside of like a, a tire and roll it down a hill? Uh, I mean, first of all, that, that would be very creative, but I think that absolutely would be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it should be right. No, but so in this baby race, six babies vied. Uh, and there's a little bit of an underdog story here because little baby Landon, he took the lead and then he just stopped and decided to take a nap. And oh. I think we should call Landon Bubbles because he fucking blew it. I just feel <laughs> like he he could have won and he just said it's like the hare and the tortoise. You know, I, I, I think that speaks to human nature. There is a competitive streak that's kind of learned that doesn't necessarily exist as okay. a as a baby. Oh, yeah. Don't Let's get me wrong. Babies are baby. babies are selfish and greedy, but they're not necessarily competitive. No, they had no idea. They have no. There's crawling. They have no idea what's going on. And the way the the competition works is you have the baby in the center of concentric circles, and you just have the babies go in all different directions. And the first one to reach the outer rim wins. It's also the same way how they race hermit crabs in Florida. I'll have you know. <laughs> that's actually that's a, that's a really smart way of adjusting the field for somebody who has no concept of where they're going. Like babies, like every like single babies. baby, unless you're the Benjamin Button baby, and then you kind of may, maybe yeah, that's the that's the only one that it's like it's like taking steroids, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is advertising around? So like, I just want to know, Ryan, c- could I slap like a wreck your, don't wreck yourself sticker on Baby Roman and have him advertise it like it's a NASCAR? Well, I think you'd have to get a proper tattoo. Jeez, uh, oh, I was just, I was talking about a sticker, but it's your baby. Whatever you don't want to, you don't want to tattoo my baby. <laughs> I don't want to tattoo any baby. I think that would be illegal too. <laughs> that would definitely. I think that would be. Uh, I would probably go to jail if I let you tattoo my baby. Yeah, but what's the historical origin of baby racing? And it is fucking wild. This is the thing with historical legs. This is all he has. Historical crawling, but still crawls on fell four. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to make it and you see it. It was great. It's got historical but, yeah. legs, but they don't use it. There's a, yeah, 
There's other cities that do this, New Orleans, other N- NBA teams. Um, there's baby races also in Canada. But the origin of this is actually super interesting. It goes back to the 1940s, right? In the U.S. Okay. where they, they had annual diaper derbies that were sponsored by the National Institute of Diaper Services, which was a, a nonprofit that was created to, quote, make the highest possible standards in the industry. Okay. And what they would do is they would have babies chase after stuffed animals until they reach the finish line. So this is like a this is like a trade group that manufactures uh, diapers. No, they don't manufacture diapers. They just advocate for uh, better diapers I'm, to have been made. I'm sorry. This, this is it is it is a trade group that provides industry standards for diaper exactly. manufacturing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. The reason they, uh, they they got into this, and this is a quote from 1946 from the Institute's general counsel. Because they didn't said, have cable yet. Yeah. <laughs> said too many government officials have gotten about the de- the task of diapering infants. Mothers can't cloth babies in red tape. So the reason this is uh, during World War II, the War Production Board actually, they limited the diaper supply. So they had priorities where the, most of the diapers would go to, again, during World War II, where everyone sacrificed something. Uh, so the priority for diapers was one, hospitals, two, private homes in which the urgent need for service uh, is certified by hospitals, and then three, private homes with new babies. I don't know how what how they determine new babies and old babies. Maybe it is the Benjamin Button baby. So I don't like know. so babies who weren't being raised in private homes are just it, shitting on themselves. Like is this like, like they're just like oh well fuck orphans. Well, private homes with new babies. So I guess like I don't know how young that is. But uh, and then the fourth priority was all others. So it was actually hard to get a diaper around World War Two, and I, that's something I hadn't I had never learned. I'm just trying to figure out who's using who's using the diapers because there's really only a small group of people that need diapers. Those are babies, yep, uh, and old people, and inco- and people who are incontinent or who are be- or who are bedridden. So, like, I can see like a med- medical application in the military. Like, if somebody has been you know blowed up real good, they might need to wear a diaper while they're in recovery. Yeah, I think that um, you know the the raw materials used to make diapers were definitely rationed and used towards the war effort. Yeah. So it was, they were using they were using like cloth diapers, which are just unsanitary and kind of gross, right? Well, I this mean, is the not... second war urine connection that we're making in this episode, <laughs> by the way. So, user, we apologize. Yeah, but, uh, well, <laughs> I, it seems like some of those raw, the, some of those basic materials will probably be also useful for bandages and for other sure, exactly another cloth application. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, today, baby races are held around the world in countries such as United States, Lithuania, China, and Taiwan. So there are babies racing on three different continents. And speaking of incontinence, uh, I no, I'm just kidding. I well, just think. That the, the, should, be, should be an Olympic sport. It should be an Olympic sport. Uh, that's exactly where I was going. We're, yep. we're we're wrapping up the Olympics right now. Why aren't we seeing yep. international baby races? I feel like well, what I, what I love about this country list it has China and Taiwan. So suck it, China. Suck it, China. Right? You know. <laughs> but no, it, it's fa- it's fascinating. It doesn't sound like it sounds like right now. It's, it's just like a cute thing people do at like events. Uh, but it was actually like legit going back to the 40s. And I just I, what, I, what I love crazy. about this is like when you when you start talking about like the play by play, it's just like, oh, he's new to the sport, but he's been training at it his whole life. Do you think there's what is performance enhancing like substances for baby, like formula? You can't use formula. It has to be breast milk. It has, to be all na- <laughs> has to be all natural breast milk. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's not just like other sports. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Other extreme sports. So, yeah, as far as as far as performance enhancing drugs, I mean, 
Yeah, I think uh, if you spike enough vitamins into that formula, you could potentially be doing it. If you could get if mom was maybe doing a little bit of uh, nose oh, candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to think they have Fisher Price injection of steroids. <laughs> <like that>. <laughs> <laughs> you joke, but we literally have a toy syringe that the baby plays with. What the hell is that? Just in case he becomes a doctor or in case he becomes a you should do baby racing, bro. We should. I mean, <laughs> would, would you race your baby? Would you race your baby? Of course I would. Absolutely. Do you think you know why? Because because baby Roman is a fucking champion. You know what? He is a champion and he has a lot. He I think he would be very aerodynamic based on the shape of his head. From what I've seen, he would he would he would breeze by the competition. He does have a he does have a shapely cranium. Yes. Yep. Yep. And also, that's free real estate for advertising. I'm just saying you can make (laughs) money. Have a big tide thing put on there. You know, I'm thinking of NASCAR, you know. If I'm going to tattoo an advertisement on my racing baby, <laughs> it's got to be something that I believe in, something that I appreciate, something that I would want to that I'd want to promote for the rest of his life. And I can think of nothing better than the music of Rick Reynolds. I think his soothing tunes lend itself very well to baby racing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While I'm not keen to share a theme song, I can think of no better jingle for Monday Night Baby Races than the song <laughs> United from the album Portals in Progress. Thanks, Rick. We really appreciate it. Um, we, we, we appreciate you not being a baby over all the content we are uh, having. (laughs) You can find Rick's music on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and I think he even has a YouTube channel. Oh, wow. Well, well, I'll I'll check that out. And on social media, we are RecordPod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and we have a Facebook group that's called Don't Wreck Yourself Listeners. We would love it if you would join. We post memes there. You can interact with us directly. Uh, You don't have to, but you get to. So Hear that, Mom? You can interact with us directly. Oh, God. But only through uh, Facebook. We're also wreckyourpod at gmail.com. Please send us your best baby racing pictures. Uh, send us your feedback. We'd love to talk about it or ignore it, depending on how it is. Yep. Send us pictures of baby racers, not baby racists. Oh, no. But we are we are equal opportunity baby racers here. Yep. That is correct. We do not support that sort of thing. But if you find yourself staring at a picture of Lance Armstrong dressed as a baby, and you're wondering whether or not that that racing picture is legit. Real quick, we didn't we didn't answer the question of if baby racing is illegal or not. Do we think we need to? So we're we're in the middle of the outro, and Matt uh, and, and Matt has raised a a finger, and we failed to mention whether baby racing is illegal or illegal. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe is this something that we should save for the next episode? Should we leave our audience Ooh, in suspense or should it, we or should we just answer it now in the middle of our outro? I think we should wait till listen to part two. Listen to the next episode. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. It's a cliffhanger. I don't know if I feel. All right, I'll answer it right now. It, it is not illegal. It is not illegal. But it might be illegal. It might be illegal. <laughs> yeah. And if and if we have done our jobs properly. That, that should leave no question unanswered, no stone unturned. But if between now and next week you find yourself staring at something on the internet wondering whether or not it's a legac, <laughs> and you can't wait for our next episode, we encourage you to do the research, maybe check Wikipedia or something, but most importantly, you have to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.